Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast. Podcast focusing all things post soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. This is Osel Mania, sports writer and contributor to the Sports Post. As always, hanging out with me today, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Did you see the uh, mega fight that happened earlier today in uh, London? Are you talking about the London Derby? Yes, yes, I am. Or as uh, Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte go- talked about it, what'd you say? <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna comment on this one today, <laughs> being that I am a fan of one team and I have such varying opinions of the the, the stir, if you will, Mr. Conte. <laughs> Conte. Hey, man. Um. I support another team that is non-existent at this moment in time. So if you haven't watched the, if you haven't watched that confrontation, watch it. You will enjoy it. Sadly, I do agree. If you haven't watched that confrontation, go ahead and go watch it. It's funny. It's two old men thinking they're young, ready to fight. And I say this with all the, the politeness in the world, both of you cannot do this on concrete. Anyway, <laughs> they can't even do it on turf. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to non-verbal action, but more verbal assaults in a second. Um, We have to talk about what happened just recently on Saturday night, and that is D.C. United going on the road against the New England Revolution in their first of seven games straight, and United fall. They fall hard. one nothing. the final score. D.C. United's 14th loss of the regular season. Carlos Hill scored the long goal in the 18th minute. Um, United has conceded a goal in the first 20 minutes in five of their last six matches since May, and they've only been able to score once. The one positive, it was the debut of Victor Paulson, the transfer from Schalke, who played 90 minutes. He was among four starters who has joined the squad in recent weeks. Mario, we talked about the fact that we think it's a rebuild. But what did you think of the overall play that United presented yesterday? Do you see positives out of yesterday's match? I see some positives. Uh, they were they attacked a little more. Uh, unfortunately, the finishing wasn't all the way there. I think defensively they looked okay. You could tell that they're suffering without having Brandon Heinzeich on the lineup. And it's still a major concern that they're giving up goals in the first 20 minutes of every game. Uh, that's not good at all. But other than that, I think they did some things correctly, but there are other things that still need to be worked on. It totally shows that this is a rebuilding process. doesn't look like a team that's going to be competing for the playoffs anytime soon for the rest of the season. Yeah, again, I think management was very optimistic on the Rooney signing, thinking he would bring like a a more motivating Ben Olsen spark. But from what we're seeing is that Wayne wants to establish tactically what this team is going to play like going forward, similar to Hernan Losada in his first couple of games <clears throat> under DC United. And look, I thought that there were moments that DC United had. They had multiple opportunities. But, you know, Petrovic had a great key saves. He, to me, was the man of the match. Um, but United won just 
are awful at Foxborough. I'm looking at the Washington Post story right now. The last 10 years at Foxborough in 07 and 5 stretch. I think we're just... Uh, go ahead. I think this team. I think this team's just cursed when it comes to playing in Foxborough. To be honest with you, I just I think that there are certain venues that teams don't do well at. In right, in I don't DC know United which. Dunk- hey man, I don't know what DC United did ten years ago to piss off a general manager at Dunkin' Donuts up in Massachusetts, but it hasn't been smooth sailing ever since. I think the last time they even got a point out of Foxborough was in 2019. And that was the same game where Matt Turner collided with Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I, I just I look at it and I thought the end they ended after the goal, they played very well. They were just missing the goal. I thought I thought for what he played, Ola Kamara played well, but did not but reminded us why he's not the main striker. And it sucks for him because like, you know, regardless of where you think he got his goals from, the man did score 19 goals last season. And I think he's the most disrespected goal scorer DC United's ever had because the man's scoring goals, no one seems to care, and they want to replace him at every moment in time that he plays on the field. I think, I think he played well after the goal. I think Rodriguez did okay. I think we're struggling to find out Right now, I see Morrison is now in the Nick DeLeon role. And I don't think we expected that. I think everyone expected him to play on the wing, be that attacking threat from the wing. Yet, yesterday he played, you know, because they were rotating players in and out of the lineup. He played more of the tax. He played taxi's role. And I think he's just better in the center of the park. If anything, I kind of liked him a couple years, a couple weeks ago, excuse me, when. They put him in one of those uh, six and eight roles. I kind of like him in the center midfield in the way he was dictating the tempo. But, you know, right now he's like Nick DeLeon. They're just putting him in places and looking to see where the right fit is. Yeah, I mean, he seems a lot more comfortable playing in the center of the park. Like, he he does he does a lot more. He, he conducts the game from there, and he's a lot more effective. I think for a lot of people, yeah, they were like, this is a guy that could play in the wing. But it's it's more obvious that he is somewhat he's gonna be that spark on the center of the on the center of the field, while as Martin Rodriguez seems more of that winger type. And so it's kind of interesting how those roles can't come out with it. Martin Rodriguez played okay. Uh, I don't uh, he had his moments, but I feel like he's still a little off from just the time just the, not the time, the time off that he had. But I think also Victor Palson played a pretty solid game, given that this was his first game. He's coming off of vacation as well. He had a great opportunity in the second half to tie the game that Pe- uh, Georgie Petrovich was able to save off, save off him. It was a really awkward shot, but it got it got Petrovich think, uh, thinking and just got springing into action. But again, I feel like just the finishing isn't there for DC United. And it's something that needs to be worked on. And maybe it'll get better once they get Benteke into, into the, into the uh, role. 
once his visa situation clears up. But I also do agree Ola Kamara is a pretty disrespected goal scorer, and he did play well. But other than that, I feel like they have their moments. It's just it's just finishing in those moments that it seems to be the issue in recent weeks. Finishing and, to me, keeping the clean sheet, I thought that while he had had a good play to get the goal and score and everything, I did think that defensively there were times where they were suspect, they were caught off guard. I don't know if it's the center back issue. I don't know what it is, but that's going to be something that needs to be addressed in the offseason. I've said it for years. Um you can't have three burly center backs anymore. This isn't your 90s, early 2000s football where you can have three burly center backs and as long as one was a capable defender, you were fine because then you could use the other one in corner kicks. This is not that kind of football anymore. You know, Omar Gonzalez is coming off the bench now who used to be a capable center back. Now he's coming off the bench even though he's only in his, like, low 30s as a man you know he could be starting somewhere else but yet here he is coming off the bench to help new england and garbage side um because those types of center backs don't are ill effective um anymore and so for me i kind of want to see in the offseason what they're going to do in terms of center backs do you keep steve okay you keep steve who's going to be next to him is it going to still be brennan heinzeich or are you going to Give Donovan the role, and Donovan's going to get the role. Then you got to get rid of Steve so that Brendan Heinzeich is clearly the more better on the ball of the two. Or are you going to give Steve another go at it? I think you got to really make those clear. Um, in terms of what you said about Rodriguez, there's one fact I got to give credit to Jason Anderson of USA Today. This shout out. United this season has been terrible on one-on-ones on the wing. And that was clear with what you said about Rodriguez. Now, Rodriguez is the only one taking people on, whereas no one else is. And so, like, Andy had to play a little bit more defensively on Saturday, but no one else is. No one has fully taken over where Kevin Paredes and Paul Areola did. That's taking people on one-on-ones. Like, DC and I look very pedestrian when they don't have someone taking on someone on the wings. And even in the middle, too. Like, we did expect a little bit of that out of Morrison. Maybe I'll give him a pass, too, because he just got here. But at the same time, I got to point out the facts of facts. United were one for five on one-on-ones by the, by the 75th minute. One for five. Whereas New England was eight for ten, meaning we're trying less on one-on-ones when we have them, and we're winning less. We need a guy or guys that are not afraid to take on people one-on-one. Now, Taxi does take a lot of people on one-on-one uh, when he plays a full ninety. Uh, again, he came off the bench, but if it isn't Taxi and if it isn't Rodriguez and if it isn't Andy when he's not fully defensive mode. Who are your guys? Like, who is taking on the one-on-one situation to improve the attack? Because without someone who can take on a one-on-one, you don't have someone who can create an attack and create their own shot. That's the problem. United doesn't have enough shot takers and people who are willing to take on a defender and get their own shot. 
Right, and I think that that should be something that you could utilize Jackson Hopkins and Ted Coup Pietro for. You're coming, you're bringing them off the bench because I feel like there is moments towards the end of the game they could have easily gone one on one against some defend against a couple defenders because well, New England was kind of gassed defensively at that point, but they they just were they were afraid to take them on and just tried to pass the ball around. Yeah, passing the ball is effective, trying to go a la Tiki Taka, but when you don't take on defenders, you don't know, you're you're kind of opening yourself to get to pretty much uh, leave yourself open to a counterattack. And that, that in itself creates its own issues. So I think taking on defenders and seeing what you can get out of it is something that DC United needs to experiment more with. And they should experiment with Ted Kudi Pietro and Jackson Hopkins. They clearly have the speed for to take on a defender. They're young. And dare I say it, they could be ballsy and just try to take on defenders. I think you need to give them a little more full reign. Exactly. Now, they have LAFC this week. We obviously will we'll talk a little bit about that next week. They have LAFC on Tuesday. And then they have the Philadelphia Union. We talked last week. I said three points were the bare minimum. It meant three draws. Obviously, they didn't get the draw against New England. What do you see coming out of this week? Oh, please don't get murdered like you did against Philadelphia on 4th of July weekend. That's all I ask. I ask that you don't get murdered in L.A., uh, because Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini were on time management. And if anybody watched their game on Saturday against Charlotte, they murdered them in the second half. That is a scary team. LAFC leads the Supporter Shield race for a reason. So, don't... I say get a draw out of LA. See if you can do that. Hold your defensive shape and... Pray to God they don't murder you. I don't mean to sound like this. Well, I don't mean to sound like this, but what else can you say when you're going up against the best team in MLS that has wep- that have weapons in their disposal and not just Carlos Vela, Chicho Arango, Gareth Bale, and Giorgio Chiellini. They also got C. Fuentes, who is an absolute baller, Diego Palacios. I'm probably missing a few other players here, but they are pretty stacked, and this is going to be one tough test for DC United on Tuesday night. And as for Philadelphia, who's man, in second just... place? Who's in second place of the Supporter Shield race? Oh yeah, you're going against one and two of the Supporter Shield race. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> Player best out there. God damn it! I I don't I don't know what else to say. Other than you got to redeem yourself from what happened in Philly in July. And just pray that LAFC doesn't completely try to run you over. Yep. I mean, there's nothing else to add other than good luck. (laughs) I feel like good luck is the easiest of the words um, on this one. Um no, I think with LAFC, you have to play your best defensive game. I, that's all that needs to be said on that one. Against Philly, I just felt like they gave up. I am I, I, very one of the few people that the players at some point mentally shut down. And the podcast at, after that game, 
quickly, I remember tell, saying in this podcast that I felt Steve Birnbaum gave up because his head went down immediately after the second goal. So it to me, this time around, like with Philly, play for pride. Play for your pride. You know, they say play for the badge. At that point, play for you. Like you gotta make you gotta come out of there being like, Yeah, you punched me in the face, but you are never gonna do that to me again. And they have But all of God don't let Alejandro Bedoya score. Yeah. I mean, man's got a resurgent year this year after last year. He's had two great seasons. I'm not gonna go there, but I will say you you can't play like you played. The last also, game. I you forgot. Right. You can't. Also, I forgot to mention uh, Kellen Acosta also plays for LAFC, a.k.a. the agitator. <laughs> yeah. 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 Less said, the better. Like I said, they're playing against the best and the second best team. I wish DC United the best in their future endeavors. Uh, one quick note, DC United uh, announced, formally announced what we had already predicted, that Brendan Heinzeich is out for the rest of the season due to foot surgery and that they acquired a DC United acquired a 2022 roster slot international roster slot from the Sounders for 50k that is for this year the 50k is for next year's allocation money they needed the spot to fill in all these extra people coming in that answers that why the 50k for next year Ask MLS. Like, that's funny money. I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> uh, that's just that, that's just the nature of MLS uh, fi- uh, finances in a nutshell, to be honest with you. Uh, look, just give me an extra $50,000 in GAM and we're good to go. Moving on to back home last week, the Washington Spirit had a slim lead and they lost two goals. In the last 10 minutes of the match, surrendered to the Thorns. The Portland Thorns leave Segra Field with a 2-1 victory. It has been a very long, arduous season, essentially, for the Spirit to somehow make the playoffs now. They need to win out or win at the minimum three or four games and get two draws and get some help. That's what they're going to need, ladies and gentlemen. They have six games remaining. Here's what happened. Spirit went up in the 76th minute due to a corner kick that uh, Bella Bixby tried to save. Apparently, she walked backwards into the net. A lot to uh, free safety. Uh, the Lions from a couple years back, she scored on herself. But she tried to throw the ball back out like we didn't all just watch her walk backwards into the net. And... Just to be reassured, Ashley Hatch said, I'm going to tap it in. <laughs> it did go in as an own goal, but the Spirit were up one nothing. Cindy Sinclair, uh, Christine Sinclair scored on the 84th minute off a crossbar shot that passed Aubrey Queensberry, fell right into her feet for the tap in. And then Morgan Weaver. This is what I said about the one-on-ones with DC United. I'm going to say it here. Morgan Weaver takes the ball off the wing, goes one-on-one with the defender, gets a little bit of space, takes a left-footed shot, curls around the rest of the Spirit defense for the goal. The Spirit have surrendered six, goal, six goals after the 75th minute this season. That is bad marks, y'all. 
That is bad, Marks. I mean, Chris Ward said the best. They should have come away with three points. Mario, what did you think of the Spirit match against Portland? Ooh, they screwed this one up. Well, let's start with that. They, they screwed up. I'm not going to sugarcoat that one. Uh, shout out to Bella Bigsby, though, for doing her best tribute to Michael Jackson, just moonwalking into the back of the into the goal. And what what is there left to say? I think this has just been one long season of like just the weirdest things that could happen to the spirit have happened, and they did not. They didn't take advantage of whatever opportunities they had late in the game, and they gave port they gave Portland opportunity to get back in it, and that's something you show you shouldn't do against the best team in the league at this moment in time. And yeah, they 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 screwed up here. They should have came away with three points. I feel like the Spirit were better throughout throughout the game, mostly throughout the second half. But they were able to take advantages, the advantage of the opportunities they had. And man, who knew that them and DC United would share similar stats? Only difference is DC United likes giving up goals in the first 20 minutes. They like giving up goal. Spirit likes giving up goals in the last 25 minutes. Yeah, all I really can say about this match in particular, it is. Um. The Spirit had the chances to win. There were multiple opportunities the Spirit had. Um, late in the first half, you had Ashley Sanchez on a one-on-one, electing to go side foot, chip shot. But because of her first touch, it allowed Bella Bixby enough time to come out of her line to make the save. Uh, that was a good reaction by her. And then at the end of the match, you had a chance to tie the game. Uh, Trini Raman gets a one-on-one Bixby. I would have probably gone low post two. It's just the smartest decision, low, near post, uh, based on a run. But because she's right-footed, not left-footed, you can't make that curl adjustment so you can curl it away from the goalie who's also coming out trying, expecting you to go near post. So because she goes right foot, it's going to go straight, not curl. And so because it does that, you see a straight shot, and it's easy for Bixby to get her hand on it, slap it away, and kill the clock for the for the remainder of the final 10 seconds. I felt like the Spirit had multiple opportunities, had had a had a shot that went wide. The Spirit hit the crossbar at some point. Also, Portland hit the crossbar. So for me, this was a winnable game. This was a winnable game. You could – no one can say that the, the the weather delay affected one of the team or the other. They there was a weather delay. The match started later than usual, but but by an hour and a half. But that wasn't the reason the Spirit lost. Spirit lost because they didn't score, which they've had as a problem the whole year. Now they're getting everybody back, minus um, Emily Sonny. Emily Sonny. Yeah, and so minus Emily Sonny, and so. They should have won the game. Like there's there's no other excuse than that. Other than, like there's nothing else to say. They missed the opportunities they had. You gotta finish those opportunities. You can't expect to be champions again. Now you're in a situation where you haven't won all season since the first match of the year, and you need to win at least three or four just to sneak into the playoffs. But if you win only the minimum 
you're going to need help. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get it because everybody's been very good and competitive this year in the NWSL. Yeah, so this is one of those missed opportunities. I I don't know if the, if the Spirit could get – they could probably get the results they need to sneak into the playoffs. Now, if it all come together, that's that that's the other million-dollar question. Yeah, and also, this was the game where everything was working right in terms of defensively. We've been talking about their struggles with maintaining a clean sheet. Was Bledsoe kind of wrong for going out for that ball the way she did to hit the crossbar? A little. I could see where she made the argument, but the moment she realized it hit the post, she had to get herself back adjusted quickly. And there was no chance with someone like uh, Sinclair. She's just gonna, she's gonna kill you. And so that's why you have to be careful with certain strikers. Reason why we made fun of DC United. They don't have that striker right there. Sinclair's been doing this for years. Like she is. She. Legal. Hey, she's part of the reason why Canada won a gold medal in 2021 or 2020. Yeah, but we might as well address the topic in the room. The du jour, du jour. Chris Ward at the end of the game, after reminding us they should have won. I was the bumbling idiot that asked, you know, was there a consideration of postponing the match, relocating the match? And Chris Ward gave us heaven. He gave us heaven in the dose of a rant. He's had many of those this year. But this one was as spicy uh, as we, again, the question was, were they working on rescheduling or, and or relocating the batch? To be honest, Segra plays better when it's wet. So playing today, was it was always going to be a better game than if it was dry and hot. Um, but it's it's the worst surface in the league. Um, there's no there's no question about it it's a, it's absolutely the worst surface in the league and you could see that more in the first half but certainly at times it bounces weirdly it uh you know it'll bobble just because of the way that the fill is and the way that it's all laid um i mean it's it's an abomination that a professional game has to be played on something like this um you know it shouldn't it doesn't impact the result we had plenty of control. We had plenty of chances regardless of the turf. Um, but you can see that it affects, you know, someone like Trinity's ability to sprint away from people. It affects Sanchez when she's trying to go and turn. The ball doesn't move as quickly. She's got to drag it and carry it a little bit more. Um, but, you know, it was it was no excuse. And like I said, honestly, it's better to play when it's soaking wet because the field actually performs better. Um but, you know, I hope we never have to play here again. That was Chris Ward. Mario, what were your thoughts when you heard or read what Chris Ward had to say? Mwah, chef's kiss. I've been saying it for years. I think we've all been saying it for years. Segra Field is just horrible. It's horrible to get to. It's horrible to play in. Again, it's a stadium without indoor plumbing. Just the fact that the spirit head coach said that is just mwah. It's refreshing. It's probably one of the best rants since he had that child <laughs> sitting on his lap during that post game and went off on the NWSL. Chris Ward, I love you. Could I? You know what? 
yeah, it, it, what else is there to say? Is Segra, it, is it that... It's not that it's not great, it's just... Yeah, it, it's Segra Field. I think we've all had, like, our takes about going to Segra, seeing them play at Segra. Boy, yeah, I'm with Chris Ward. I hope they don't ever play there again. Kind of figured this is this is something percolating within the spirit. You know, we saw... For those who don't follow spirit players, um, Sam Staub was recently in England, and she took a tour of, I want to say, was the Chelsea locker room in Stamford Bridge. And there was a shot there about, you mean to tell me there's there's indoor plumbing and indoor, and, and you have enough space in your locker room that you can have your legs out? And, oh, there's a shower indoors and you don't have to go outside? I guess these are just segregate things. And that has turned into a thing with spirit players. And the fact that in a game where they didn't look bad, they looked great. (laughs) I got to give Chris Ward credit. Like, he spun my question around very hilariously. I wasn't expecting that at all. That was one of those that goes in the book of, well, no one expected that because <laughs> I I would expect this. I wasn't going for a sacred slander. I wanted to hear them say they were go- they were considering switching to Audi Field just to get a reaction. But seriously, though, like I don't know what the spirit has to do or when this contract is up. The new Apple deal says Saturday and Wednesday games DC United. Every spirit game could be on Sunday. Like I, I, I this is just it, just play them in Audi Field going forward. I don't see the need, or if you really are insisting, on uh, put them in Segra. Fix Segra. <laughs> what about that? What about that? Like, hey, hey, you should have, you know, you should have put indoor plumbing in that stadium from the get go. I feel like that's just one of the most important things when you're not just building a stadium, but building a structure that people are going to be occupying. You need to have indoor plumbing. <laughs> and look, I'll, I'll give DC United this. They made those trailers, converted those trailers into bathrooms. A la what you see at at the Montgomery um, was the Meriwether Post Pavilion. They're they're spacious. They're warm. That's something I wasn't expecting. If you were there for a cold, rainy game, them things have heaters on deck. Um, they don't. They're not. I'm gonna say this for people who haven't been there. I'm a bigger person, so I can say this. They're not fat friendly though. So if you gotta sit down and there's no room for you, bro. There's not. No. Handicap the, It's called the family bed restroom, which for me, that's kind of weird. But <laughs> not for me as a person. I mean, if, how's that legal? But whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, them, them, them spaces in that bathroom. If you're claustrophobic it, it, to go into those trailers at, uh, at Segra, that ain't the place for you. But yeah, like, for me, I just they have if it's, if you're gonna have if you're gonna insist on how long, however long this contract is. If I remember the original reporting in 2019, it was three years. 
on three to five years deal, you're going to be insistent that the spirit have to go through this, improve their dicks. Now, some background here. The original idea of Audi Field was to host a women's professional soccer team. The third locker room there is not for double headers or for two football teams like, like, like they've played it up to be. The second locker room was always designed to host a women's soccer team where they would design it in their own colors and then they would have their own space. For those who've never been to, to Audi Field before, there are three locker rooms, one big super complex thing for the men, <laughs> and then uh, two, two look-alike, two smaller, but they look exactly the same locker rooms. The original idea of those it was that one of these were going to become the spirit locker room. I don't know what happened in the planning of that. I don't know if they can't do it now. Do it. Go back to the original plan. <laughs> like, you've been doing that all of this year. Like, this is 2020 rehashed this whole year. Once they pull the roof on that thing, then really, this is 2020. Like, stop stop it with this nonsense. Like, just put them in there. and They don't ruin the grass. They don't ruin the turf. They bring more people in there. The average a higher attendance. It just looks good. It just looks good. And it looks good on your investment. Clouds are rough drive. Stop, stop this. Make more money. No, put them all nobody in. Wants, put nobody, in nobody wants to circle around and go through the dullest toll road. And they go all the way to whatever other damn toll road it is that you have to get to. <laughs> Just to get to, like, the bumbling parts of Sterling and the outskirts of Leesburg. Do you know what the outskirts of Leesburg look like? It's just woods. It's just woods. Like, come on, man. Like, yo, have them not go to Segra as often as possible. But if you do, yeah, improve the digs. Get indoor plumbing. Get them actual facilities that work. If not, use Audi. That, that's what Audi Field is for. It'll look better once they put the roof in. And you are right. This is 2020 rehashed all over again. But Everything again. they said they were going to get done in 2020. We were going to get, we were going to get the, the, where you can gamble. Uh, we were going to get the roof. We we're going to get more investors. We we're going to get, and, and we're getting, and the only thing now they're missing is going back to the plans of 2015. For this building and put the women there full time. That's all I'm going to ask. Like, whatever the rent has to be. We're coming full circle on all these plans, to be honest with you. It's like it, what did happen in 2020 will happen in the years between the years of 2022 and 2024. More spirit news uh, on deck, and that is that assistant head coach Lee Wynn has come out of retirement. And plans to play for his former club in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City FC. Uh, Min. I did say Min. <laughs> Man, you try reading this. <laughs> he's 36 and he's coming back to playing football again. Uh, I think all that needs to be said is good luck, boss. I mean, 
when the pictures came out that he was playing with Ben Olsen and playing pickup in Georgetown, I knew then that this guy does not seem to be taking retirement so smoothly. I think he will make one more go, but that was my opinion at the time. I was not expecting this announcement, though. Neither was I. Uh, good luck to him uh, going back to Vietnam. Remember, he's 36. Uh, what else can we say? Just good luck. Um, yeah, we could thank Ben Olsen for bringing him for like putting the idea of that you could come out of retirement, come play this pickup game with me in Georgetown. You don't want to be me. Like that was the word <laughs> coming out of his mouth. Do you want to be me? Then he was like, you know what? No, I don't. <laughs> so that was probably what was the residing words out of Ben Olsen's mouth on that one. Um, and lastly, at least some good news for the spirit, and that is that Trinity Robin was named to the 20-woman shortlist of the ball the uh, ball de, de or is it Dior? Like, what are we saying ball, now? Ballon d'or. Ballon d'or. They keep changing the name with his fucking things. So excuse my language, <laughs> but it used to be the FIFA player of the year. It used to be Ballon d'or. And then it, what was it, the best for a couple of years? Like Yeah, was, uh, so Ballon d'or was never really a FIFA thing. This was a French football magazine award. But because FIFA is greedy, they just want to combine everything now. And then FIFA got out of the awards business because they realized they couldn't conduct this well. Um, and also, FIFA learned right away what I had always said. You cannot trust national team coaches and the last – because the rule was national team coaches and the last captain of your last game would vote. And so you would get some weird machinations of like – Jurgen Klinsmann would vote for the U.S. men, and then, like, the the captain of the last game that year would be, like, Edson Buttle. Like, you were like, <laughs> you were like, wait, what? You would have thought Landon Donovan be the captain the whole year. What do you mean Edson Buttle did the the best vote? What do you mean? <laughs> and so, <laughs> no disrespect, Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and so people realized this was a dumb idea, went back, gave it to France football, Ballon d'Or Feminine. They did a women's award starting in 2018. Trini Rodman is nominated in the shortlist. Remember, this starts, the calendar starts, for those who aren't sure, it starts at the beginning of the European season. And basically at the end of the European season. So people are probably wondering why did Trinity get nominated because the spirit have been some questionable doo-doo this year. Simple. It started May September 1st of last year. It ended when they went to the CONCACAF W Championship, which she won trophies in and performed well. She won the Rookie of the Year. She gave the assist to win the NWSL Championship. Called up to seven appearances with the Wabbers National Team. Called up to the W Championship. Won the W Championship. Scored a goal. Sounds awesome. And oh, by the way, richest player in NWSL history. She got paid. She got paid and won all these awards as a rookie. That's the other thing. As a rookie, 
more than enough qualified to be nominated on the short list. She's out here. There are games where I literally watch her bully like 30-somethings off the ball. Like bully defenders that have credentials. Bullied Ashlyn Harris on a professional field. <laughs> she also joins Ashley, um, Alex Morgan and Canarina Macario as the lone U.S. soccer representatives. Do we have a shot this year, Mario, with either of these three, or should we just bow down to Alexia Puteas winning this thing again? Somewhat of a shot, but I think we need to bow down to Alexia Puteas one more time just because, oh, yeah. Uh, Trinity Rodman, even though she's done amazing things in her, early in her career, I don't think they're going to want to give it to her. Catalina Macario also done great things, but I think the ACL tear, even though it happened, I want to say it happened after the end of the of the European calendar season, they just won't give it to her, but I think the best shot out of the three is going to have to be Alex Morgan. Yeah, Alex Morgan's just playing out of her mind since joining San Diego. She's playing out of her mind. However, the question will always be, you know, her club, her monitoring for her club last year uh, during the time after the Olympics. And remember, the Olympics were kind of in that in-between phase. Everybody forgot the Olympics happened last year. <laughs> and so you have that in-between phase of where Alex Morgan cared, didn't care about her club thing. And now that, you know, the coaches are starting to emphasize club, it's gotta, you, get, you have to consider it. I love Alexia Puteas. I've seen her play a lot this year because I have a terrible bedtime, so I wake up at noon the next day, and guess what's on? La Liga Femenil. So I get to watch a lot of Alexia Puteas. Man, uh, so she dominate, She owns Real Madrid, essentially. Real Madrid Femenil owns them. Uh, they call her boss every time they see her. And so, yeah, I don't see why she won't win the, the uh, FIFA, the uh, Ballon d'Or Femenil this year. Um, she has the most caps, won the domestic treble. But she, like you mentioned, she got that knee injury right before the Euros. So I, I'm not so sure. If anything, one person who does have a shot here is Sam Kerr who went to Chelsea and has been dominant. Uh, Playing out of her mind at Chelsea. 29 goals, 8 assists in the domestic. Um, she won the FA Cup. I'm interested. I, I want to see her be nominated, get higher chance. And look, I know a lot of people are going to kiss Udeas' butt because she kind of deserves it. But we just saw a whole Euros where we had a lot of Brits play well. And I don't know. I have to think about it for a second and realize that, hey, they played really, really well. And they could be nominated as, you know, we see this at every Men's World Cup. Why did such and such get nominated? Because they were on the winning team. So like, we can see a Lucy Bronze get nominated and no one's going to bat an eye because... I feel like the list for the women's Ballon d'Or is so much competitive, such much more competitive than the men's Ballon d'Or uh, nominations. 
even though on the men's side, Messi isn't nominated. I know some people were throwing like a fit, but I'm like, did you see Messi this year at PSG? Awful. Uh, well, well, yeah. Remember think- with with its back with the with French football, um, coaches and players don't vote. It's the media, and so you kind of get. That's why a lot of people kind of see it with more respect. Whereas with, with the joke we were making fun of here, you're, do you really think the national team coach of Uzbekistan is watching, you know, the women's UEFA Champions League? Like, he's not. He's not. He's not. He doesn't care, you know. Or or if we've heard dozens of times, a lot of the Barcelona players would admit, oh, we saw Messi nominated. We always voted him Messi. When one of those years, Xavi should have clearly won. So... <laughs> So don't get me started on 2010. Either Xavi or Iniesta should have won that year. I'm still, I'm still with that. I, 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 that still annoys me to this day. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I am totally. Look, if Alexis Butez wins, she had an excellent campaign. Totally understand. But Sam Kerr kicked butt this year. Out of Hingleberg came back, kicked butt. Lucy Braun won the Euro. I, 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 there's so and, many and, nominees. Anna Hagerberg was like, did you forget who I was? She came back like Jay-Z saying, let me reintroduce myself. Yeah, and she was like more than, than an emotional leader on that uh, that side that ended up winning the Champions League. Uh, Leon, the way they beat Barcelona, they, they basically killed them left, right, and center. Um so yeah, I, I I'm intrigued. I love the fact that Trinity got nominated, but let's be real, Trinity's not gonna be in the final ten. Roosevelt came in eighth place in twenty nineteen, so that's something. But I, I do think <laughs> I do think um, I do think it's great that she's getting that recognition for her play. And again, she no one, no striker in the women's game plays like her no one does no not at all and if you tend to disagree with us you've never seen uh, you've never seen trinity rodman in, in live in action before it's a sight to behold yes a sight to behold her and Karina macario are going to be lethal when they get older that striking core is going to be amazing just like we are but we have run out of time so before we let you go mario tell the people where they can find you all right. If you want to figure out what I'm working on or you just want to see my tweets on how I want to extradite Harry Maguire to Zimbabwe because he's a terrible defender, you can follow me on Twitter at Mario Amaya one. You want to know what's going on in the world around you or just what's going on in DMV? You can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter, too, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket, you can go get yourself a hard copy. Yes, they still have hard copies. At your local newsstands or metro station today. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Special shout out as always to Camel Cloud and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, rate and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.